Let's sit down and let them go to it. I'm glad you're here today. I hope that you had a great Christmas with your family and friends. And uh, I know there's a lot of sickness going around. Somebody has asked several weeks now uh, why we don't shake hands anymore in the morning service. And that's because um, of germs. We don't want to share our germs. And so uh, I know there's a lot of folks that are sick already this morning. Talk talked to many that uh, are home and uh, just let me know that they weren't going to be here today because of sickness. So we pray uh, for those. But I'm glad that you are here. On this last Sunday of 2019, 2020 is just around the corner. I'm excited for what God has planned for you individually, for your family, and for our church. And I want to thank our church for just a great year. I want to thank our church for uh, another year of wonderful Christmas offering. Tomorrow, we will write that check to the Bravo family and uh, send that to them so they can put that as a down payment to purchase that property. And I'm excited to see what God's going to do through that ministry there as that church is built. And they'll gather like we do and worship the Lord. And the people will be saved and baptized and discipled. And so thank you for your part in that. And uh, again, thank you so much for your sacrifice. What I was excited about, as I mentioned in that video, it's not just a couple people that give large amounts to make that Christmas offering uh, there. It is literally hundreds of people. I asked Debbie uh, just to show me. I said, show me the stack of envelopes, those Christmas envelopes that have come in. And, and just a, uh, such a large amount of people gave, and God blessed it. And uh, I want to thank you for that. I want to preach a message today. And I titled it this, When God is Working in the Unknown. When God is working in the unknown, we're going to be in Acts chapter number 10. I bring this message specifically on this last Sunday of uh, this year. Many people in this room, you've wondered this past year, maybe why God is doing what he's doing. Why God's allowed certain things in your family. Why God is working and maybe some even question, maybe God, I don't see you working. I, I don't see the evidence of it. It just seems like things continue to, to build and frustration and stress and anxiety and pressure. It just seems for some like, God, are you working? And I want to assure you this, that God is working in the unknown areas of our life. When we don't think he's working, he's working. He's got a plan. Others, you say, I see God working. I just don't understand why he's doing what he's doing. It just doesn't make sense. I want you to know this, that God is working in the unknown areas of your life. He's formulating a plan. Oftentimes we go through our lives not realizing that God is working and he is orchestrating things behind the scenes. I wonder what that looks like when heaven, when God is just formulating things and making things happen. He's moving people. He is deciding events and he's working to accomplish his will. And we get to be a part of that. It doesn't always feel exciting, but to think that God is working, to think that God is formulating events so that his perfect will is accomplished, and we get to be a part of that. I go to Acts chapter number 10 this morning. There was, certain, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian Band. 
That's the first band mentioned in the Bible is the Italian, the Italian band. He was a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. So this fella of the Italian band, Cornelius by name, the Bible says that he loved God. Now, he was a centurion. He was of Rome. He was not a Jew. And so he was a part of Rome occupying this land of, of Israel. He was one that had many people that, that uh, were submitted to him. He was in charge of, of many people. They weren't necessarily Jews. They were Romans that were there occupying this land. My wife and I, when we took that group last year to Israel, we visited Caesarea. And what, a, what beautiful ruins were there. This, at this time, would have been a beautiful place. This is a place where, where Herod built, and, and this was a place where, where uh, it was just plush and, and a wonderful place. Those that were of Rome stayed at this place. It was a, a resort-type place, if you will. He's there, and even though he's Roman, even though he is uh, 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 occupying this land and he's not of Israel and he's not a Jew, the Bible says this, that he loved the Lord and he gave. He had a giving heart. He saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? He said unto him, thy prayers and thy alms are come up for a memorial before God. I want you to take note there that God noticed who he was and what he was doing. And now send men to Joppa. And call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. Now we find in verse number 40, look with me there if you will, and it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa. This is, this is uh, uh, chapter 9, verse 43. This is um, Peter, the Bible is speaking of. We find that chapter 9 ends with Peter tarrying many days in Joppa with one Simon a Tanner. Now, something interesting is happening here. Something very interesting. Peter, the Bible says, tarries there many days. I want you to see if we were to end at verse number 43 and not proceed into chapter number 10, we would just simply think that Peter was there evidently for no particular reason other than just to visit the saints, as the Bible said earlier in that chapter, to visit the saints through all the quadrants and simply there with Simon the Tanner. It seems like maybe Simon the Tanner had a need and so God allowed Peter to stay there with Simon Tanner many days. Simon uh, is, is uh, there in Joppa. I want you to think about this story I heard. There was a young boy as he watched his mother crochet. How many of you remember? Yeah, I know you don't see that too often, but crocheting, you know, making something. And from below it, it almost looks like a mess, just a, a rat's tail of yarn. And this young boy is looking from below and he's watching his mother just tirelessly crochet and, and begin to, to make something. And from his viewpoint, it looked like a mess. 
different colors, yarn, different lengths. And finally, he says to his mother, he says this, he says, mom, you're, you're spending so much time and what you're making doesn't look that good. And so his mother picks him up and sets her on his lap. And he gets to view what she's doing from her perspective instead of his. And what he sees is this beautiful, beautiful thing that his mother is doing. Now, from his perspective, it didn't look beautiful. It wasn't until he saw it through her eyes, from her perspective, that he saw the beauty of what she was doing. Now, church, hear me this morning, please. Oftentimes when we see God working, at times it doesn't look all that well. At times we can look and we can say, God, this looks like it's a mess. God, do you know what I'm going through? God, you know the, the stress that I'm enduring. God, you know the heartache that I'm going through, the, the pain and the agony. Do you, do you see this from my perspective as I'm looking up and seeing what you're doing? It doesn't look like a beautiful thing. But I want to remind you this morning, from God's perspective, it's always beautiful. From God's perspective, he knows what he's doing. From God's perspective, as he's putting things together, as he's making things and orchestrating events, from his view, everything makes sense and everything is beautiful. This past year, God's been working in the unknown areas of your life. Nothing was done by mistake. Please hear me this morning. He had a plan for every event. We don't always understand or we always don't see the big picture but I want you to know in your heart this morning that God is working. He's working. That's why he says in his word, all things work together for good. The Bible says that because he is the one that's working it all out. I'm so glad that it's not me that has to orchestrate events in my life for them to turn out good because it would be rotten. It would be wrong every time. We see God working in the unknown in this passage of scripture. And what I mean by that is this. Peter in chapter number nine, he meets this man by the name of Saul. Saul is going to become the apostle to the, great, to the, to the um, Gentiles. And he's there in Jerusalem. And we've already studied chapter nine. Just let me remind you what's happening here. Saul comes to Jerusalem and the people there in Jerusalem, the, the apostles, the disciples, those that are following Christ, they knew of Saul's reputation. They said, we don't want Saul to come. They feared Saul. They thought maybe Saul was coming to infiltrate them and then to go back and, 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 and identify who they are. And then they, the guards would come and, and come and arrest them and some would be put to death. And so they feared Saul, but God had a plan for Saul. God said, I'm gonna set Saul apart and Saul is going to become the apostle to the Gentiles and, and, the, and this gospel uh, is not just going to be there for the Jews and those in Israel, but all corners of the earth are gonna hear the glorious news that Jesus Christ has come to give them eternal life. And so they're there and they meet. Saul leaves Jerusalem and, and look with me in verse number 30 of chapter nine, if you would please. The Bible says this, which when the brethren knew, they brought him down to where? Say that, Caesarea. So Paul leaves Jerusalem and he goes down to Caesarea and from there he's sent to Tarsus. We'll come back to this in a moment, but I don't lose that there. 
Peter leaves and he goes to, the, to check on the saints. Look with me in verse number 32. And it came to pass, as Peter passed throughout all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. Listen, Paul leaves and he goes to Caesarea, which is on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. As Peter leaves, Peter is traveling through the quarters. What he's doing simply is meeting up with those saints that have trusted Christ as their Savior. These were Jews. We know what happens as he's traveling through. He comes and he meets someone that, that needs to be healed. And he, he meets a man and he, he heals this man. He, he then meets a woman that, needs to be, that was sick and she had died. And the Bible says that she ra- he raised her from the dead with the power of God. What great rejoicing must have been taking place. Look with me in verse number 42. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Imagine what was happening there at the church. Imagine what was happening there at God's people. Peter comes, and he, and he visits these cities, and he finds himself now on Joppa, on the coast, which is about 40 miles or so south of Caesarea, on the same sea. Paul finds himself in Caesarea and then down to Tarsus. Peter finds himself in Joppa. As God is working there, you would look and you would see this must be the reason that God has Peter in Joppa because somebody was healed and and a woman was raised from the dead and so many people were were being saved and, and rejoicing and being added to the church and what a wonderful event this was happening in Joppa. This must be what God is doing. This must be the reason that Peter is in Joppa. This must be why God brought him there. He stays a while in Joppa with Simon a tanner. Just imagine Peter and Simon out there tanning. Is that what? I don't know if that's what that meant. Just kidding. At that time, God is doing, isn't always obvious to us. It appears like God had a plan for Peter And the plan was finished. Get to Joppa to heal, to bring from the dead, to to minister to those in Joppa, to stay with Simon the Tanner. It seems like Paul, or Saul still, his name's not that changed, he leaves Jerusalem to, to go preach, and he's going to begin to preach to the Gentiles. I want you to write this in your heart, please, someplace. We come to chapter number 10, and in Caesarea, in this vision, this man that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ, but he loves God, he's giving alms, he's living a good life is is what it's implying, he's he's caring about other people, he's doing what he knows to be right, about 40 miles north of where Peter's at, an angel of the Lord visits him. And he says to Cornelius, he says, there's a man in Joppa by the name of Simon, and he's a tanner. He's got an apostle there. He's got a man by the name of Peter there with him. And, And I want you to send people to go get Peter. Go to his house and get Peter because Peter has something that you need to hear. I want you to write this in your heart, please, that God is a pluralistic God. He can work in different places at the same time to do his will. We don't always see what God is doing. 
If you just take from Peter's perspective what God was doing, it looked like he was going to heal. He was going to raise the dead. He was going to spend time with Simon Tanner. But God has some other plan for Peter that Peter didn't know because God is always working in the unknown areas of our life. We need to realize that God is able to be, to do two different things for two, at two different places at the same time to accomplish his will. Sometimes when you don't see his plan, you may think isn't working out, or you, you may think that, that uh, only you see the, the part of his plan and you come to a conclusion of what God's doing. And hear me, my friends, sometimes that conclusion that we come to isn't really what God's doing because God is always working in the unknown areas of our life. The conclusion isn't always the whole story. Chapter number nine wasn't the end of the story of what God was doing in the heart of Peter, isn't what God was doing with Cornelius. Chapter number nine wasn't the end of the story. Although Peter didn't know what the next phase was, although at times in our life that we don't know what the next phase is, what we must rest assured in is that God is always working, that God always has a plan, that God is always orchestrating the events of your life so that his will is accomplished. God is working at the same time in Caesarea as he is in Joppa. It's not a mistake that Peter went to Simon the Tanner's house because it was at Simon the Tanner's house was God was going to tell Cornelius to send his men. It isn't a mistake that God here is working in Cornelius's life because he has placed Peter at a place because there's something that God has for Cornelius and he's got to get to Peter to hear what God has to say. So we find God working. We find God working with Peter. We find God working with Cornelius. Aren't you so glad that God can work with much more than just one person at a time? Aren't you glad that God can perform his will? And it, he's not limited to just one time and one space and one event and in one location, but God in his powerful, he's awesome. God is, is every place at every time. He can orchestrate all events around the world. He can orchestrate events in multiple people's lives so that his will is accomplished. Aren't you so glad that we serve a God that is everywhere at all times? He's working in Peter's life. He's working in Cornelius' life. Now stay with me here, please. Neither man knows each other. There's no place that we find that Peter had ever met Cornelius or Cornelius has ever met Peter. God is working. Neither knows God is working, but they know that God is up to something. I want you to see something here that God is working in the unknown. God is taking two places. He's taking two people to accomplish his will. What am I saying this morning? Many times we don't see the whole picture. Many times we don't see all that God is doing. Many times we just simply see where we're at. We don't realize that in unknown areas that God is working and God is orchestrating his plan because God has something he wants for us and God has something that he wants to do through us and God has something that he wants to accomplish for his glory's sake. 
all that God is orchestrating. You see, sometimes, church, hear me, when we only see our part, we can get critical. When we only see our part, we can get angry. When we only see part of what God is doing, we can become discontented and not like what we're a part of and we not like what we see. If we only see our part of what God's doing, we can get jealous. If we're not careful, if we only see what we see, we can get hurt in life. And God isn't orchestrating things for us to get critical or angry or discontented or jealous or hurt. He's orchestrating things so that his name goes forth. He's orchestrating things in life so he receives glory. He's orchestrating things in our life so he receives uh, honor. God is working in unknown areas that we don't always see. But hear me, I say this again. Understand and realize today that God is working even when you don't see it. I want you to see this. Let me give you two things here. The Bible says this in these verses that we read here, these first several verses in chapter number 10, that there's a man named Cornelius. He's a devout man. Verse two, he feared God with all of his house, which gave him much, which gave much alms to the people. And he prayed to God always. But there was something that Cornelius was missing. Hear me, loving God with all of your heart, giving alms to the poor, to the people, being a devout man. He was religious. He was generous. He had a good home. He had a good reputation. He had great power. He had prestige. He was a part of a band. I mean, he had a good life. But none of that was going to get him to heaven. I don't have the time. There's 40-some verses in this chapter. But what God knew that Cornelius needed was the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Here, mark this down, please. There is more God had for Cornelius. God is working in the unknown because there was more that God had for Cornelius. Cornelius' life would have been a life that most people of that day would have loved to have. Cornelius' job would have been a job that most people of that day would have loved to have. His citizenship was of Rome. It would have been a, a citizenship that most people of that day would have loved to have. His prestige, his house, his reputation, his, his men, all that he had, the majority of people would have said, if I could just have a life like Cornelius, my life would be great. Cornelius had a good life. He was a devout man. But what he did not have was knowledge of who Jesus Christ was. What he did not have was salvation through Jesus Christ. He had everything that the world had to offer, but what he was missing was Jesus. And God is working. Peter, you're not going 
to all the quarters of, of, of the church and the places to, to just simply raise people from the dead. You're not going just to simply heal a man that's been on his bed for eight years. You're not going to simply minister to Simon the Tanner. There's an area in Caesarea that you don't realize I'm working in, but I'm about ready to send you to a man that needs to hear the gospel. And when Peter gets to that place, what Peter does is Peter begins to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to this man. He loved the Lord. He gave the Lord, but he needed Jesus. Listen to me this morning, work and religion wasn't enough for Cornelius. So God was working in the unknown places to bring the gospel message to Caesarea. Now this is something that was interesting as I was studying through this. Why not Paul? Paul was already at Caesarea. Paul was already there. Paul was going to be the apostle to the Gentiles. Now stay with me. I'm going to bring things together with this thought today. Because I was studying through and I looked as I was looking at the rest of this chapter and realized that Peter came for the reason to preach the gospel. I thought to myself, that verse... Paul was already there. Peter was some 40 miles south. Now, in those days, 40 miles was a long trip. It's done on foot. It's done on horseback. It's done in wagons. It's, it's not an easy trip. Wouldn't it have been easier just to have Paul, this new apostle, that had great zeal and he was going to become the, the, the uh, apostle to, to, the, to the Gentiles, wouldn't it have been better for Paul to preach? Look with me in verse number 30 again. Which when the brethren knew they brought him down to where? Caesarea. Verse number one, there was a certain man in Caesarea. I mean, think about it. Couldn't have God just said, hey, Paul or Saul, while you're here, there's a man over here named Cornelius. He's a good man. He needs Jesus. Go preach the gospel to him. Isn't it amazing when we view life through our lenses, we think that there's a better way? Begin, remember that God is working in the unknown. This would have made sense. Paul is there. He's the apostle to the Gentiles. Joppa is some 40 miles from Caesarea. This would have been, made more sense. But God is working. God is orchestrating. God is doing something in the unknown. I want you to mark this down, please, someplace, that God was working to change the heart of Peter. God was not just adding something to Cornelius, which Cornelius needed to hear the gospel so he could gloriously be saved, but God was also working in the heart of Peter. Look with me in chapter number 10, verse 15. Let's start in verse number 13. Peter is in a trance. He's there with Simon the Tanner. <laughs> and they're getting ready to, to eat and, and, and they're, they're making everything and, and, and there Peter is asleep. God is working in the unknown. He comes to Peter 
in verse number 12, wherewith, wherein were all matters of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, what? Not so, Lord. Could you imagine that? How many of you would ever say no to the Lord? I mean, if God says, eat it, you're in a trance. You know, most of us say, all right, Lord, how, just, just tell me when to stop. And Peter says, not so, Lord. What's he say? For I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, what God hath cleansed, thou that call not thou common. What he was saying is, don't you be the one that decides what's clean and unclean. Let God be God. Look with me in verse number 28. Let's start in verse number 25. And Peter was coming in. Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. And Peter's response was a great response. But Peter took him up saying, stand up. I myself also am a man. As he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. And so again, God is working. He says, Peter, I want you to go. I want you to go to uh, uh, Cornelius. And he gets there and Cornelius has a, a whole group of people there waiting. And he said unto them, you know how that is unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. He said, I, I want you to know as these, as these Romans there for the house of Cornelius are all sitting around, he said, I want you to realize something. It's not lawful. It's not right. I shouldn't be here. I, I know that you need the gospel. I, I know that God, but, but it's not lawful. This was not my decision to come. Look what he says in verse number 28. He continues. He says this, but God hath showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore came I unto you without gain slaying. As soon as I was sent for, I asked therefore for what intent ye have sent for me. And Cornelius says, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour, I prayed in the house and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard and thine alms had been remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon a tanner by the sea, who when he cometh shall speak unto thee. Listen, write this down, please, that God was working to change the heart of Peter. Peter was not going to preach the gospel to unclean people. He was a Jew. He, 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 he was going to live his life preaching to the Jews, fine. But going and talking to someone of another nation, sharing the, the gospel with them, that's not something that Peter had uh, interest in doing. And what God had to do, God was working. God was working and preparing Peter's heart so that Peter understood, Peter, you don't always know what God's doing. Your plan is not always the best plan. You need to be yielded to God and let God be God and be obedient to what God is doing. It answered my question. I said to myself, why in the world would God not just let Saul, who's already in Caesarea, go and meet this man Cornelius and give him the gospel? 
Because God is working in unknown places. God had to fix Peter's heart. God had to allow situations in Peter's life so that Peter would be more yielded to him in his plan. Yes, it would have made sense for Saul to go over who was already there and, and give the gospel to Cornelius. Cornelius' heart was ready and willing to receive the gospel. But God wanted to work in the heart of Peter because God wanted Peter's heart to be softened. Peter had a heart that, that was, was not going to give the gospel to other nations, not going to give the gospel to other people. It was for the Jews and the Jews only, he thought. And God said, no, Peter. I'm going to change your heart. You hear me today? There's times that God allows events in our heart because our life, because our heart needs to be changed. We need to stop seeing it our way and start seeing it God's way. Oh yeah, it would have made sense to have Paul go over and do this, but God had a plan. God cared about Peter and God didn't want Peter to continue with this heart toward others. He said, I'm going to change your heart. I'm going to put you in a place where you have to rely upon me. I'm going to put you in a place where you see that I'm doing this and I'm performing this. Hear me today that God works in the unknown places. He works because there's things that people need like Cornelius. He works because there's changes that need to be made in our life. There's going to be trials and burdens and stress and those things that you're carrying. None of that is to defeat you. None of that is to destroy you. All of it is because God is working and he wants to change something about you. He wanted Cornelius to know that it takes more than good works. It takes more than a love for God. It takes more than being a devout man, a religious man. It takes the gospel message. It takes Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ to give a person salvation. And guess what? God was working. And guess what? Cornelius submitted to that, and Cornelius trusted Christ as his Savior. But he was also working in Peter's life. He said, Peter, there's some things in your heart that I need to remove, that I need to change, that I need to fix. Because if you'll let me fix these, you will be a better servant to me. You hear me? Sometimes God does things in our life because there's things in our heart that need to be changed, that need to be fixed. And as Cornelius accepted what God wanted to give him, Glory be to God, so did Peter. Peter there accepted it and said, you know what, this isn't by my doing. If I had it to my way, I never would have come to give the gospel to a Roman. But God said otherwise. And hear me today, please understand what I'm saying. God is working in unknown places of your life. Don't just look at the event and come to the realization or conclusion that you know what God's doing. Let God's plan unfold. Let God have his way. Let God change you and add to you and let God's perfect work be done in your life. Don't get angry. Don't get discontented. Don't get mad. Don't get stubborn. Don't get critical because you see one event and you don't understand what he's doing. You've got to let God show the whole picture before you decide if it's right or wrong. 
God's working in your life. God's working in unknown areas of your life that you can't see. He's working to add to you. He's working to change you. This last Sunday of this year, all the events of this year that God has orchestrated and that God has done, don't give up and don't quit. In this new year, determine that where and when God wants to work, that you are going to let him. If you've got to go to Joppa, go to Joppa. If you've got to go to Caesarea, go to Caesarea. Whatever and wherever God is working, Christian, this morning, let him work because he's orchestrating something in your life. And when he orchestrates it, when he does it, it's always for good. Hear me today, there's not an event that's happening in your life that God already hasn't promised it'll work together for good. He's using it. In the events of your life, he's using for the purpose of the gospel. Will you let him use you? Will you let him use your circumstance? Will you let him use where you're at right now to accomplish his will? Father, Lord, as we close.